Today on Rogue Padron, finally a kiss, drinks at the Azor Dianaga, Kirtan Boar misses the point again, and the ego of a Karelian. This is Rogue Leader, all wings report in. Rogue 6, standing by. Rogue 7, standing by. Rogue 3, standing by. Hi, Danny. Hi, Heath. Hi. Hi, Meg. Hi, Danny. What about Zach, Danny? (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Danny. Nope. Denied. (laughs) Why am I the only one saying hi to everyone? Hi, everyone. Put that on. They didn't say hi to anyone individually. Nope. Uh, hi, Seth. <laughs> I'm not that nice. <laughs> hi, Meg. <laughs> hi, Danny. Hi, Heath. Hi, Heath. <laughs> <laughs> Is that good? Are we good? <laughs> hi, everyone. Welcome to Season 2, Mission 6 of Rogue Padron. Here's a quick reminder of your hosts. We have Danny, who if he was a Nintendo game, he would be Pokemon because he's all about the exotic fauna. I don't actually know anything about Pokemon because I'm a really bad nerd. You would still be Pokemon, doesn't matter. Okay. Yep. We have Seth, Rogue 7, who would be Metroid because she's all about badass space girls. I'm so happy with this. Even though I have not played Metroid, I'm really happy with this. You know who Samus is. That's, That's enough. Yeah. Yeah. We have Rogue 3, Heath, who would be Wii Fit because he's been killing it at his half marathon training. Yeah, I like that. Oh, yeah. And I'm Meg, Rogue Leader, and I obviously would be Kirby because I'm pink and round and obtain the power of my enemies after I eat them. Let's never do that. Never be an enemy of Pink. Wait. We need to talk about this. It's like you eat people's <laughs> organs because it imbibes you with power. Wait. You do that? Yeah. Who doesn't? That's fair. Yeah. So, speaking of that, <laughs> whatever that is, I have a question about Rogue One. Read a think piece the other day, because who doesn't love think pieces about Rogue One, and how it's very important that we support this movie because the next two standalones, as we know, are rumored to be one is about Han Solo and the other one is rumored to be about Boba Fett. Mm. And so Rogue One is kind of Disney's only movie that they're planning right now that is based on entirely new cast of characters, as far as we know. So the piece was basically saying, if people don't come out in huge numbers to support this movie, all the spinoffs from this point forward are going to be based on characters that we already know, and that's lame. We want to see new characters, too, in our spinoff movies. So, that was the premise of the piece I read. Discuss. Well, I agree. I think um, what the response is to Rogue One will largely dictate how um, anthology films will go, at least for, like, a couple after this, like, the next few. I mean, we already know Han Solo's happening, but, like, the one after that and the one after that. If Rogue One's not so big, but Han Solo ends up being really big, they might start to tend towards more familiar things, but I think they do want to branch out more, which is why they're doing Rogue One as their first um, a Star Wars story film. Um, but I, I definitely think, yeah, the reaction will help it like more like that happen sooner. Yeah, I agree that it's probably best for Star Wars if everyone turns out for Rogue One, but I don't think it necessarily means that we're not going to get any more like female-led stories. We're not going to get any more um, new properties or anything like that. I do think that it might dictate what number four spinoff is going to be, but not necessarily that, oh, we're never going to do another female-led movie ever. Because it's Disney, yeah. and Disney loves female leads, so... <laughs> And I mean, The Force Awakens already rocked with a female lead, so they know right. they can do it. So I think 
I think the piece was more getting at not necessarily female leads, but just like these new characters that we haven't seen before. Like if if Rogue One flops, every anthology from here on out is going to be based off of a Han Solo movie, a Boba Fett movie, an Obi Wan Kenobi movie, a Yoda movie, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, versus more these ideas of just like exploring new characters, new parts of the galaxy. Well, I, guess, I think a, it's is really that even something lists, that you want from the I think anthology? it's really unfair because Boba Fett and and Han Solo, like if the if the third movie's Boba Fett, like those are two of the biggest characters in the Star Wars universe. Sure. So of course there are probably going to be more casual fans who are, are going to come out for those. But I don't think it's a fair comparison at all. I think it's less less like new characters and probably more um, like new genres and ideas as well because this is going to be much more of like a warfare movie than the other Star Wars movies, which are space operas. Um, and it's probably, it'll probably dictate somewhat whether or not they're going to branch out with genres more like that with anthology films, or if they'll kind of try and stick more to a Star Wars formula. Maybe. I mean, they might already be set on their idea and they'll just go with it. But I mean, if it flops completely, which I highly doubt will happen, that would probably scare them off from doing more movies in different genres like that. I think it's pretty telling that Disney chose to do this one. Well, Lucasfilm, I guess, chose to do this one first. I think if they were like worried terribly about how these films were going to do, they would have started with a Han Solo movie or started with a Boba Fett movie. I think the fact that they were willing to do this as the first spinoff without really knowing exactly how well it would do is indicative that re- kind of regardless of how it does, they'll be willing to take more chances on movies like this moving forward, even if it's not as successful as the other spinoffs. Cool. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I think that's a big statement that Rogue One is coming first. Is there... um, And I I guess I also think that just because the movie focuses on one of those characters doesn't mean that it can't explore new parts of the galaxy as well. Right. Right. I don't don't think a Han Solo spin-off movie necessarily means we're going to see him hanging out with Chewbacca and Lando the whole time. On Tatooine or whatever. Right, like... In the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, I think there's plenty yeah. of room to explore new territory with existing characters. Yeah, like provides our entry point into new worlds and new characters who then mm-hmm. might be the subject of their own anthology films. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, let's get into the chapter discussion. So today we're doing chapters 18 18 through 21. And we start not as great as before when the first sentence was Corin Horn was miserable. So we begin with Corin and he's with Erisi and Rima right now. And he's once again the envy of gross dudes because he's with two hot chicks, which... Didn't need to be said, Michael Stackpole. <laughs> when do we start calling him Brohorn? Because if he hadn't yet, Corrin achieves total bro status in this chapter. He really does. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. I have quite a few notes, like, because I highlight and I make notes in my Kindle, and a lot of my notes are just like, for God's sake, Corrin, why are you doing this? Like, in all caps, like, I'm just so mad. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think every chapter about Corrin, I'm wanting to roll my eyes and say, Corrin, Why? This chapter was like the epitome of that. It really was. This is this is all Corin. So we find out that Corin and Eris's job is to survey the security, peacekeeping, and medical services and their response in the upper tiers of the city. So it's a pretty cush job. And since Corin was with Corsac, he knows exactly what to look for in regards to like morale um, and hidden weapons and things like that. So they end up we meet the characters in the Grand Corridor of the Imperial Palace. It's super swank, but there's a lot of secret ways to either get riffraff out, and by riffraff, of course, I mean non-humans, and to respond to anything that might happen there. So it doesn't look like it's heavily secured, but it really is. So Rima is super observant and remembers basically everything, and she told Corin that they may have a friend in common from back home. And we, we find out that back home means Alderaan. Corin kind of guessed just from the way she looks. I guess Alderaan, Alderaanians, Alderaanians have a certain look to them. Who knows? Not, not all, all, Alderaan. Yeah. All, well, I mean, do we visually know any Alderaanians besides Leia? Like, what is, and, and Bale, I guess. 
Well, Leia isn't. Oh yeah, she's not even Alderanian. Yeah, so yeah. it'd be Bale, and so I would assume the doesn't planet this... is all Hispanics. Are, yeah, are they but all doesn't Rima not... look like Leia? Like, didn't didn't he say that like Rima looks kind of like Leia, and so he's I, like, she's Alderanian. I guess, but she's not actually from Alderaan. But he yeah. probably doesn't know exactly. That complex thing. <laughs> yeah, Leia, Leia thinks she's Leia, from Alderaan. Yeah, she must blend in pretty well. So I think yeah. even though she's not Alderaan, we can assume that they look like her because she was able to blend in and people assume that she is. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in New Canon, unfortunately, we're discrediting this Alderanian theory because Evan is very much not Hispanic. Right. Oh, not, yeah. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Either that or she just bleached her hair, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Well, when you've seen pictures of people who are from Alderaan um, in in the comics or something like that, they're all very, very white. So it's really just Jimmy Smith's that is not. It's just the royal family, I guess. I know. Held well, up maybe in high. This is just Corin's untapped force potential sensing. Mm. <laughs> or she just looks like Leia, and he assumed. So. One thing I have to pause in this big explanation because it's going to get real serious here in a second. But <laughs> real serious. <laughs> <laughs> but so they, we know in the in this Star Wars universe, calf is basically a coffee product, and so they're in the cafe drinking esp calf, and I hated it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> yep. Is this like potatoes? T- whatever it is again. Yeah, it's like tomatoes, but I forgot about this because it's so horrible. Espka. It's so bad. I had to pause to like try and figure out how I was going to say it out loud. <laughs> like, and then just, I was like, you know, I don't want to say that out loud. Just say espresso. Just say space coffee. I oh, don't is care. that what they're going for? Yes, it's espresso. That, that was like especially caffeinated. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Which espresso, you know, it's the same. Wait, yeah. so. Especially caffeinated. <laughs> <laughs> so, the worst. But besides that, so Corin figures out that Rima is talking about Tycho. And so they shorten his name to Cell to be super not obvious. And. No one's going to figure that out. I know, right? And he notices that, like, there must be some history between them because Rima gets a little taken aback when Erisi flirtingly talks about Tycho. And um, Tycho freaks out. Not Tycho. Corin freaks out, and he thinks that he's the one with the hard life, not Tycho, not others. And he throws this, like, tantrum in front of Rima, explaining about why his life has been so hard, which is the same story that we've all heard, is that his dad died in front of him, and it was the worst. He literally just, like, he's like, how dare somebody else have a bad life? Mine is worse. And then tells his entire backstory <laughs> right then and there. And it's like, dude, th- like, you barely know this girl. What are you doing? This right? Is my and- I pictured Corin like, sliding in and being like, well, let me tell you about my life. Yeah. Just, oh, <laughs> shut up. So it's 100% peak Corin. Especially Ugh, if worst. you're in the middle of the Imperial Palace, like, don't give out personal information that's really specific that might remind someone of someone they know. <laughs> right? It's not a competition. It's, it's seriously not. No. Right? It's this not. is like, this is like Obi-Wan going to Mos Eisley and being like, well, Anakin Skywalker was my apprentice, so I had it really hard. Like, right. shut, shut up. I shut cut up, off his arms man. and no legs and left him burning, and now he's terrorizing the galaxy. Yeah, your life is so hard. <laughs> did, did Obi-Wan so, do that? I mean, <laughs> no, I hope not. No, no, he didn't. Like, Obi-Wan wouldn't do that. I mean, to be fair, Corrin did have a hard life, but, like, the, I don't do this. Like, I don't go out to, like, people when they're like, oh, my life has been, like, so, my friend's life has been really hard, such such and such happened. And I'd be like, well, my life is worse. Like, people don't do that. It's Especially not a, when you know you that do. it involved their entire planet blowing up. Like, the details <laughs> yeah. we're going to get later, fine. Like... But, like, regardless, you know that their planet blew up. How can you? He's Corrin. like, oh, yeah, his planet blew up. But my dad died in front of me. Right, he was off planet like, at the time, so he's fine. Yeah, you can't you can't equate those things. Like he lost his entire like family and home and culture, like everything in one go. It's it's a pretty big blow for someone. Ugh. 
Right. And and especially when you look at it, everyone feels pain differently and everyone has different levels of like what to them is the worst, right? But Corin cites this very specific one event as in being like, this is why my life is so hard and so difficult and why I understand pain. When think about where Gavin is right now in the Invisec where everyone is treated like garbage and dirt and they have to fend for themselves. Right. Like when you compare those two, they are very different. Like literally two pages ago, Corn was thinking about how he's the envy of everyone because he's hanging out with the hot chicks. Right. But, 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 but my life is terrible. Here's why. <laughs> the worst. So I can't Corrin sleep with has... them because of my daddy issues. Huh. So Corin has... <laughs> He realizes he has unfounded anger at Tycho because Tycho is so great, but Corin can't like bring himself to trust him. So he feels betrayed by Tycho, even though he's done nothing but show how he can be trusted. And so basically, Cor- everything is Corin to rant. Corin, I think I have a solution here. <laughs> trust Tycho. <laughs> <laughs> so easy. That's it. Problem solved. I mean, I literally. do understand. I do understand that, like, there's the worry that you know, I had to do something, and um, right. yeah, he could turn at any point. But I mean, you could, like, it's it's unfair for Tycho to treat him like that and to be so angry at him when it's not even his fault. Right, and that's that's the thing, though, is that he's holding Tycho on a high pedestal, and so he gets mad at him when he can't trust him personally. Like, that's not. That's not fair at all, Corrin Horn. Uh, so the af- literal af- worst. Yeah. So after this big tantrum, Rima is not impressed and explains the core reason of why Tycho defected. And so it was his birthday, and he was speaking to his family and his fiance over the holonet, exactly when Alderaan was destroyed by the Death Star. Ugh. And... He didn't know until like a couple, you know, minutes later when the announcement came out. He just thought that, oh, the connection went out. Um, I'm gonna like poke fun at my dad because he's in charge of like the biggest hollow net corporation. Ha ha ha. But no, his family just died in front of him. Everything he knew just went away. So So he, he saw it too, kind of. Like it wasn't just Corin that yeah. saw his dad die in front of him. Right. Tycho did in his own, like, like it cut out. His fiance, like, that's why it cut out. Yeah. His, his fiance, fiance, yeah, his entire his family. Sister, like, anybody, right? <sighs> that hurts. It's That's so frustrating. Oh, my God, the Empire is the worst. Yes. Which is proper reaction to this going on. Nash, when right? I was just going to say. Look, leave Nash alone. No, Nash brought this upon himself. By being heartless. <laughs> no, no, no. So, so Corin immediately, like, once he hears about this, he suddenly realizes, oh, I'm a terrible human being. Yes, thank God. And he compares his life. I My favorite line, he said, my life is as safe as a hut's underbelly by comparison. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what it's, a phrase. It's safe. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> It's unexposed. Oh. <laughs> Unexplored. <laughs> oh, I hope so. It smells so. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Let's not talk about that anymore. No, no we can talk about that for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> no, 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 no. Erisi is busy crying about all of this uselessly. Because <laughs> <Of course. laughs> she's a stereotype. Uselessly. <laughs> Uselessly. (laughs) She's just hugging Corin because obviously Corin is the one who needs comfort right now. Um, (laughs) But then suddenly Corin kisses Erisi. Oh my god! What the? What is going on? (laughs) That's a great. That's a great way to deal with this issue, Corin. (laughs) I I love imagining this scene from Rima's perspective. Because, right? granted, we don't know a lot about her, but she's from Alderaan, so she's got a lot of trauma in her recent ha- past. Right. And also, it's hinted that she has some romantic history with Tycho, so we know that she has spent time with a mature and upstanding rogue. And then she gets paired with these two, who are doing their whole, like, 
Middle I school am. Wait, what was, the, what was the safe word? I am. Um, Telboon. I am Telboon. Like you and that whole bit. And then they're sitting here, and Corn is whining about how hard his life is. And then she's just like, <laughs> I'm not impressed. And then out of nowhere, he just starts snogging Eresy while she's crying. <laughs> my my note for the sentence is just, just like, there. dude, she's right there. Rima is right I there. <laughs> I love that he just starts going. He starts going at it with Aracy in response to like realizing that Tycho has had his a hard life. <laughs> like, go find Tycho and talk to him. What are you doing? <laughs> go kiss Tycho instead. How does Aracy fix any of this? God, I mean, she's cute. The the thing I don't like is that she like tries to like pull away as well, and he just like kind of like no holds her in. I'm like, bro, bro, no. No means no to or Corin. I almost said Tycho. Tycho would never. Tycho knows. <laughs> Tycho would never. never do this. So, thankfully, we we find out that part of the reason why he kissed Eresy was because he saw Kirtan Lore pass by and needed to hide in her lips. I guess. <laughs> it reminded sure. me of the scene from <laughs> Keith will like this from Captain America when. There in the elevator, oh, yeah, like outside yeah. the Apple store. I mean, you never look that closely at people kissing. You don't yeah, want to exactly. look at like people snogging. That's kind of gross. No, it's yeah, you true. Always, always look away. Makes people very yeah, uncomfortable. Exactly. <laughs> yep. I feel yes, like Kirsten would be for very example. uncomfortable. <laughs> yep. It made me uncomfortable even just reading this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had to look away for a bit. Right. So Rima, because she's smart, figures out like. Oh, Corin, you can stop kissing now. And Aracy's just like, oh, what happened? Oh, well, feel free to kiss me again. Well, so. That's literally a the quote worst. from the book. <laughs> <laughs> Meg's I not mean, even it was exaggerating pretty smooth. Here. They just, ugh, they're just, mm, mm. Can we so talk about some on. more interesting trashy romance? Like, it was hinted that Tycho and Rima have a history. What do we think about yes. that? I'm into it. Much, much more interested in that. Yes, I would love to hear about all the Tycho romance. Mm-hmm. And Rima, because she sounds super great. Anyone that face palms in the presence of Corrin is A-OK in my book. And just shuts him down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, moving on to less gross characters, we have Gavin, who is hanging out in the Azor Dianaga. Which is an amazing <laughs> name for a cantina. <laughs> and... He's convinced that if his dad knew where he was, he would not have let the Darklighter look guide Gavin away from home. Because I think there's a quote in there where it's, if Moss Eisley is the armpit of the galaxy, then the Azor Dianaga is the much further south and unclean part of a person. It's anatomically lower. Gross. At least Gross. hygienic. Like a, like yes. a hut's underbelly. Like a yep. hut's underbelly. Just like a hut's underbelly. <laughs> Actually, since since we're doing amazing metaphors here, um, he described himself. He said he felt like he smelled like a dewback with bloat. Yes. Delicious. Just beautiful imagery all in this chapter. <laughs> <laughs> so Gavin's team, which is pretty large, has two goals, which is to find out how far the Empire's reach influences the lower levels of the city, which means gauge how the aliens are feeling about all this and to see if the infrastructures of the lower levels could be useful when they actually attack and siege the planet. So Gavin and Sheol have been exploring the tunnels and caves in the Ivisek. The Imperials have been doing a pretty decent job of blocking anyone from leaving thanks to booby traps, ferrocrete, blocked passageways, and just shooting them. So Gavin starts to feel the pressure of how much it would take to actually win Coruscant, and Sheol replies, if there's no prey, there's no reason to hunt, which is just classic Sheol. Yay, we're stereotypes. <laughs> so in the cantina, so we see we start with Gavin and Sheol there, and then Noir, Ven, and Rosati come up, basically playing themselves. It's a little confusing about that. <laughs> Is that really Rosati? Like, because I mean, she, it's Rosati as Erisi, I feel like. Yeah, that's, oh my that's what I thought. I was like, wow. She, she watched Erisi over the days to learn her right. personality. So, and then Oral and Errol as like the third team come up. 
So Oral and Errol did recon on supplies available in Invisec, and it looks like the food and anything like that can only last about a month. Whereas if they blockaded the planet, the imps could last two to three. So if there was a blockade or something to something like that going on by the rebellion, then it would be way worse for the populations they're trying to save, not for the people that they'd actually want to force into surrendering. So not that plan. Everyone there is paying, ex- everyone meaning the people there, are paying um, extra protection fees to the Imperials, Black Sun, and local factions. So everything is just costs so much money there to get their hands on just basics or supplies to survive. So it's not good. Things do not look good. Um, while they're discussing, stormtroopers come into the cantina for another sweep. They end up taking two Quarren with them and hassle Gavin and Rosati for being humans fraternizing with aliens. And Gavin almost blows his cover because he's just freaking out the whole time. But thankfully, Rosati, in a very dramatic display of being into Noara Ven and Noara being smart enough to bribe the stormtrooper, they just leave them alone after that. She, like, licks his hid tendril. Yes, she sure does. She licks it. She, she licks it. So, are they? Are they? Probably not the first like, time. That <laughs> These were some very physical now? chapters. Yeah, we got our trashy romance. Oh yeah, super trashy. Oh yeah, <laughs> we get what we asked for. I guess it's good. But also, just like this table in the cantina. Like, if I was gonna go to a cantina with any six characters in these books, like I would want to hang out with these six. Like. Despite, like, all the drama, they just... I love the vibe between them. Like, this is a good team to be on. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Alien team! Exactly. The token humans. Right. And Errol, we find out, has has seen them doing sweeps, like, every week. And they've been taking Quarren and Gamorreans, but they haven't quite figured out why. They think it, they theorize that maybe there's an uprising against the Empire on, like, Gamoria or something like that. But we all know it's for Derricot, so watch out, guys. <sighs> Sorry, Danny. <laughs> Just then, a sexy bothin, a seer sailor, walks by. Wait, no. Sorry, can you <laughs> no. just say that again, please? <laughs> No. Like, would you rather talk about a sexy bothin or a hut's underbelly? A sexy bothin. A Are sexy you sure? bothin. Yes, I'm 100. I was reading. Sure. I was reading that whole description. Like this could be written for fairies. Yes. Oh it's, no. It super is. <laughs> oh. So, a seer sailor walks by, giving Gavin the eye. So she comes over to talk to him and invites him to talk more privately. And when he nicely refuses, she asks him for a dance. And once again, Gavin's like, oh, no, I'm I'm talking with something with my friends. And she's like, oh, maybe later. And so he's like, "Okay, bye. And as she walks away, there's a Godel sitting in the booth next to them. And Godel's can read emotions in some people, like kind of like mind reading, but not specific thoughts, just the emotions of like how people are feeling and not every being. Um, So he reports to Sierra, she walks by that Gavin was nervous when she approached and then felt relief when she walked away, which somehow they translate into Gavin's a bigot. Yep. Clearly, not not that like he's... maybe he's just uncomfortable with dancing with people. Like maybe he just doesn't like romance. Maybe he's gay. He's nineteen and freaking out. Or maybe he's he is just hanging out with his friends and like right? having to turn someone down. In this they really jumped on that. Yeah, like to be fair, when to someone the aliens, comes up to you, they're probably on edge about everything right now because of what's they... going on in Coruscant. They are. So unfortunately, because of this, blasters get pulled on the group, especially on Gavin. And a Siren company plan to use Gavin to send a message to the Imperials that the ha- inhabitants of Ivisek won't tolerate them kidnapping their kind anymore. Which, unfortunately, the message is going to be sent with Gavin's dead body. I don't like this. No. Womp womp. womp. So there's a cliffhanger for you. <laughs> 
then the next chapter is back to Kirtan Boer. And he's once again on his way to visit Isard. He says some weird stuff about her, like always. And <laughs> just move along. He's just so creepy. And we find out that General Derricott now wants Solistans for his experiments. Uh-huh. No, remember, not the nubs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really you have a Solistan in Rogue Pod. That that the moment I saw that, I was like, uh oh, oh no, yeah. I see where this is going. Yeah, it's not good. It does not go to a good place. And oh. General Derricott originally wanted Wookies, but Solistans are a second choice. <laughs> And the Solstens will be they used. Need the Wookiees as... for the slave labor. Right, exactly. So the Solstens will be a bridge for the virus to also hit the Bothans, the Shistavan, and other similar species. And while Isar doesn't like the idea of, calling, of killing Solstens because they're useful, she's really excited to see Bothans die, so she allows it. So that's, you know, the first time that we are in agreement with Isar. <laughs> yeah. See, I was going to be nice and say no comment, but. <laughs> <laughs> I was so tempted to be like, don't we all? But I was like, that feels like a bit too mean with this virus. We like, don't endorse sure genocide I'm on this white. podcast. Yeah. No. No. We do no. not. I may I may disagree with the Bothans, but I don't want them to all die violently like that. No, the they Bo- can just stay and both away doing their thing. Yeah. yeah. The, Bo- the Bothans yeah. can live. They're just really useless. Yeah. And so she suggests keeping a population for breeding to restock once their plan is over. So, thanks, Isart. Super smart of you. And Lore thinks that the Kratos virus being cured by Bacta is a fatal flaw, but once again, Isart has to explain how he's wrong, and there was actually a condition of the virus. Because we'll see that the Rebellion will be determined to heal people with the Kratos virus, taking up an unthinkable quantity of Bacta that the Rebellion can't afford. Because they're decent people. Right. Like, they will always try to heal and save any of their wounded. And um, the Rebellion, because they are altruistic, will include everybody in that, not just their core group. See, this is so. what I kind of, like, when, when I heard, well, when they said that it got cured by Bacta, I was like, oh, this is going to cause problems because, you know, they don't need a lot of Bacta to fix everyone. So I kind of assumed that was part of it myself. Apparently I'm smiling than Kirtan sometimes. You sure are. <laughs> I wouldn't maybe put that on your resume, but good for you, Saf. <laughs> Yay! So Isard's plan is to turn Coruscant over to the Rebellion after Kratos is perfected. Since the virus only affects aliens, the alien populations of the Rebellion will feel betrayed by the human parts when all their people can't be saved. So it's going to implode, basically. And with Rogue this Squadron... This is super smart. I'm oh, impressed yeah. by this. Like This is She's super so smart. smart. Yeah. With Rogue Squadron on the planet, they can start spreading rumors about how they started Kratos. And although oh, when you think about it, you're like, oh, Rogue Squadron would never do that. Rogue Squadron's Heroes of the Rebellion. But people also know that they also freed criminals from Kessel. So they are capable of doing terrible things. Yeah. And oops. yeah. It will just, it will turn the tide just enough, right? Just any kind of doubt for the rebellion is a lose. So, thanks a lot, Borsk. This was his idea. So, they've actually already identified some of the members of Rogue Squadron on Coruscant, but they won't pick them up because they're only showing the rogues what they want them to see. Like, they want the Rebellion to come in and actually think that they're taking the planet, right? So, it's still all part of Isar's plan. So, Lore needs to arrange a face-to-face with the spy, and he's still very afraid of Corrin, and he didn't. He happened not to notice him in the last in the last chapter because of all the kissing. So good job. Kissing saves the day. Kissing saves lives. Maybe Kiss we do more. endorse kissing. You heard it here from Rogue, Rogue Podrin. <laughs> so right. I'm excited to see who the 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 I forgot the word mole is. Yes, Mold we'll we'll find out soon enough. So the last thing we learned in that chapter is that Lore is actually surprised when Isar doesn't care about putting him in danger. 
which I just don't understand how he could think that at all. He's so unimportant that it really doesn't matter. Like, he, right. he's way more important than he is. He doesn't realize like how expensive he actually is. Like there's so many other girls that could do his job. He's just there because he knows Corin. Basically, he could help with right. that. That's exactly why. So in the last chapter, in chapter twenty-one, we go back to Wedge, and remember that the chapter ended with Wedge with a nice big kiss from Mirax. So remember, kissing saves lives, and Elia. Yella is ready to figure out what to do about Mirax just showing up out of the blue here. So they go and have a girl chat, and Yella leads Mirax and the boys all around the plaza that they're in, looking in shops, making people feel, making the boys feel uncomfortable, all that fun stuff. And Wedge is thinking about his life as he uncomfortably keeps up the ladies having fun. And He's never stopped being a pilot, even when he was on leave. And so he's not sure what a normal life would mean for him, which is fine. It was just this weird, like, two pages of Wedge thinking about everyone's beautiful, normal lives. And I'm always going to be a pilot, because that seems normal. At least he wasn't going up to an Alderanian and telling her that he's got it terrible because <laughs> of that. <laughs> so true. Wedge is so much better, remember? <laughs> So Yella leads them to a safe house for Merrick to explain how she came to them. Because remember, Yella doesn't know her and she was not part of the plan of their threesome. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kissing saves lives. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Bound to happen sooner or later. <laughs> so Yella needs convincing that Mirax is not an Imperial. Mirak and Wedge, of course, is like, I've known her forever. You don't need to do this. And Mirak is like, shut up, Wedge. I can handle this. So Mirak explains that she thought that she could find the Carillion parts of Rogue Squadron by going to the museum. She knew that they'd want to see the display on Endor because their egos are huge and they would want to know what it says about them. Which Wedge takes a little bit offense to the ego's comment, but then he realizes, mm, yeah, that's that's me. So... You know what they say about Corellians with huge egos. Well, what do they say about them, Danny? <laughs> they say that they always want to go to the museum to read about their uh, exploits at Endor. That's so true. <laughs> That's exactly what they say. Yeah. I love the quote. I love the quote that was something like, your ego is so big that you get to think you don't have one. Yes, That's yeah. so good. Yeah, it's a good line. <laughs> so good. Just shoot him right down. <laughs> There's a lot of Corellians getting shot down in this parts of the book. I'm okay with that. Yep, they need it. Yeah, they need it. That's Their egos are so big, you gotta take them down a couple notches. Bring Han Solo in for this, too. <laughs> Han Solo definitely needs one of those. I love so... that, like, the planets, like, the way the Star Wars does planets, like, there's, like, one or two traits that characterize people from them. Like, that's how Corrin knew that what's right. face was from Alderaan. For Corellia, it's just, they're all cocky. Like, can you imagine going to Corellia and being surrounded by Han Solos and Corrin Horns? Yeah, they're all super cocky and good pilots. That's all they are. Oh, no. Everyone's either in Corsac or a smuggler. Right. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> At least you know both of their jobs are secure, right? And they all think they're the hottest oh, wow. around. Yep. Accurate. So, go to Corellia. Have a good time. So, Yella deduces that Mirax must have dropped off other rogues on the planet because she didn't know that Wedge would necessarily be there, just that maybe one of the Corellian pilots would be there. And we also, she also figures out that her exit identity was blown, which means that potentially the rogues could be compromised. And after Iella admits that she was in Corsac, Mirax introduces herself as Mirax Tarek, and although there's hesitation, they end up shaking hands nicely. Because we know that Corin has that history with Booster Tarek because of his dad issues, but Yella joined right after Booster was sent to Kessel, so she never had to deal with any of that garbage, thankfully. Wedge she notices, knows all of Corin complaining about it. Yeah, she knows Corin complaining about it, but like that's it. And maybe like yeah. Papa Horn, but that's that's all. So Wedge notices that Mirax doesn't necessarily recognize her name and wonders if Corin never mentioned her. And if he didn't, like, for what reason? Why wouldn't he bring up his old partner, who's a lady? Hmm. But. Ooh. Oh. 
<laughs> I think I know why. I think I know why. Why, Denny? Oh, I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> okay, Danny. Okay, Danny. Okay, Danny. <laughs> Maybe when it happens, you'll be like, "Oh, I called it. I knew it." Yes. So, so hold on to that. No matter what happens, I can say that since I'm not spoiling it right now. That's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so Mirax went through her usual steps again of Coruscant. Which is, she goes through a broker and they give her false codes and usually works out fine. But this time, her codes froze up and it led the Imperials right toward her. So she burned some favors owed to her her dad from Black Sun to keep her ship and her crew safe. And Ayala will figure out some slicers to backtrace where things went wrong to see what information potentially got out and to see if the rogues are going to be in trouble. And it ends on this super big dramatic, like, what's worse than finding than the Imperials finding out rogues are here? And it's like, well, what if they figure out why we're here? Mm. But what they don't know is that, the, one, they know you're there. And two, it's a trap. So it really doesn't matter. <laughs> Weird Akbar hasn't figured that out yet. Yeah. He's so good with traps. <laughs> He's not there, so he doesn't know. Yeah. Always bring they can't communicate back. Yeah. He would have figured it he would have figured it out right away. He would have just landed or yeah. been like, it's our trap and then left. Just we gotta go. We gotta go. Turn right back around, get back on the ship. <laughs> this is why you bring Ekba with you when you go anywhere. He's like, sorry, Corin, you're still gonna be a Telboon for the next like three days. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. So lots mm. of cliffhangers in this section. So hopefully next week will also be a very interesting one. I hope for that too. Yeah. Same. More tracking. I want to. I want to know the spy. That's my main thing. <laughs> I'm worried this is going to drag out through the fourth book. <laughs> We're not going to find out the spy yeah. till the tenth book. Are you? Are you being the lizard, Meg? I am being the lizard. <laughs> <laughs> are you being a dewback with bloat? No, Ew. not that. Just the cackling lizard. Okay. That's gross, Danny. Yeah, geez, Danny. <laughs> Well, I'm being a hut's underbelly, so <laughs> I'm not. I'm not being part of this party. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be though? Party in the hut underbelly. Ew. Oh God! Mm. <laughs> you couldn't even finish it before you said you. <laughs> Saf, you're a hapabore that's been laying in the Jakku sun for the last seventy-two years. That's so rude. Why would you say to. that about Saf? <laughs> Why would you say this to me, Denny? I wanted you to join the party. <laughs> Why can't I just be a, a cute loth cat? Like, right, going out. She gets to pick what gross creature she is, not you. Fair enough. <laughs> Speaking of dehydrated hapabores, let's <laughs> visit this week's question. Well Danny. done. <laughs> you I'm learned stealing, the art of the segue. Your stealing your Classic thunder. Danny transition. <laughs> Last week, our question was, what would your undercover identity be if you were to go on a mission with the rogues? Jared said, my secret identity would be a Kowakian monkey lizard. No doubt about it. Good. Uh-huh. So, Jared Good. would be spending a lot of time in a hut's underbelly. Yeah, he would. Jared's so tall! Uh... <laughs> um, Jay said, I would go undercover as myself because no loyal Imperial would dare question me. Jay, I think you're oh, listening Jay. to the wrong podcast. <laughs> yeah, Jay. Jay, this isn't for Imperials. This is for for Rebels. Oh, yeah, he's definitely the ball. <laughs> definitely the ball. Austin said he would go undercover as Baba Joe the Turkle. <laughs> this is just like what we did, where we just, we're just like <laughs> fan casting ourselves in yeah, the Star Wars universe. <laughs> this is what I want. Yep. <laughs> Everyone else did that, too. <laughs> Brian said he would be Awesome McCool the Third. But then said, wait, that's the code name Corin gave himself. Oh, oh, snap. Andrew in Belfast said, could I be former Glitterstim smuggler Bale Fierst turned rebel pilot Rogue 4? I don't, yes. I don't think I know well, what that means. Your, your, cover, your undercover identity shouldn't be turned rebel pilot. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's fine. A good, maybe a good place to start. <laughs> The the first half, great. Great. What's your undercover identity? Rogue 3, standing by. <laughs> I'm actually Rogue 6. <laughs> They'll never guess. 
Oh, that's the worst. Ian Miller said, I would be a space janitor attached to higher moth mantuing mantuing the third's retinue. I would also fetch his tea. I'm so glad that Hire Moth Mantuin Mantuin the Third continues to show up in these episodes. <laughs> Ian, Ian, I hope every week you answer our question and that every week you work Mantuin into it because it's so good. I want us to be able to write a whole book about this guy by the time we're done. Right. Hire Moth Mantuin Mantuin the Third. Yes. I want to make him canon. Yep. <laughs> hey, Chuck, make this canon. Yeah, if anyone will do it, Chuck. <laughs> he would be Chuck. Nancy said I'm so small so I'd pretend to be a little kid Oh, that's cute and then Raising Fangirls said my cover would be a frat boy bouncing from planet to planet trying to find the best party aka Corin I know I was like isn't that just Corin <laughs> I want a frat boy for the record I added the that's aka Corin Horn to the end of that yeah Saf you'd well, be a good frat boy I would be the best be good undercover. I even have a Litterman jacket. Oh, I want a space Litterman jacket. You gotta That'd get shutter fun. shades. Wait, how is a space I Litterman jacket shades. different from an oh, Litterman jacket? Oh, of course, shutter shades. Wait, of course, have shutter shades. Remember in book one, Corin let someone wear his jacket or something. We were like, it's a Letterman jacket. Oh yeah, he gave me Didn't that happen? Jacket, yeah. But what yeah. makes right, it a space yeah. Letterman jacket? Because it's, it's happening in space. Yeah. Oh, okay. Exactly. Espcaf, Danny. Right. Espcaf. <laughs> well, wouldn't it be a let jack then? Ugh. A let jack? That's oh terrible. God. That's disgusting. Oh my gosh, I hope they use it. Mm. If I ever write a Star Wars book, I'll make it a thing. Great. Make it let jack. Oh, oh yeah. that's terrible. <laughs> it's as gross nope. as a hut's underbelly. Ew. Anyway, Ew. this week's question... We talked about how the rogues decorate their rooms, but what do you think Kirtan Laura has up in his quarters? Ugh. <laughs> I'm gonna say disturbing <laughs> episode of Rogue Potter and all around. I'm gonna say those like motivational posters that have like stock photography of a sunset and it's like inspiration. Yeah. You can do it you set your mind to. Like he's that. like he's so insecure that he like needs something to like get himself going. Except instead like of a sunset. Like a yeah, the loft cat hanging off of a branch. You can <laughs> yeah. do it. Hang in there. <laughs> Why has no one made that? <laughs> Here's Danny, a fan art idea. That goes to our Photoshop specialist, I think. Um, I think he also probably has on his desk like a framed photo of Corin and then a framed photo of Icehard for just because he's a weirdo is but basically the framed photo of Corin. he's like drawn a bullseye target on it and he like throws darts at it from across the room i don't know he's yeah, really he obsessed with Corin horn are there like little love hots around Corin? like yeah there's little there's like are things crossed out right mr kirton one oh my god <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Cornhorn. Mr. and Mr. Cornhorn. <laughs> Mr. Kirtan Horn. Oh my god. That's amazing. I love it. Oh. He scrolls it in all his little notebooks. Right. They're very private. He locks them up. <laughs> wow. What a weirdo. Yep. Yep. Yep, yep. <laughs> I'm just like with like <laughs> he practices his signature for it. No, I'm sorry. I'm going too far. I'm going too deep. No, it's beautiful. <laughs> Keep going, Saf. Remember, like the first episode when like Keratin was talking to uh, yeah. what's his face? Yeah, yeah, and I was like gay. And then like five seconds later, I was like, this isn't gay. I'm I'm <laughs> apparently subconsciously still looking for You're the gay. <laughs> to now just be about Cornhorn. <laughs> Yeah, like, it don't even happen. Corrin's too cool for him, but he can dream. He's a little nerd dreaming. Yeah, he is a little nerd. He Remember how he loves numbers and assuming things? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Any signs, like, his signature has an eye over the... has a heart over the eye in Kirtan. Oh my god, I hope he does that. Yeah, and so I thought it's just like, why? Why is he like this? She's like, this is why you're expendable. <laughs> <laughs> But secretly, she wants to use little hods over her eyes as well. Right. She's like, I've always wanted to do that, but doesn't strike fear in the hearts of my enemies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if the rebel's got a hold of this, 
That would be right. good. Oh, gosh. That's like everything Isar does, she asks herself. I feel like she practices I can do this thing, it. but does it strike fear into the heart of my enemies? Yeah. I feel like she practices a signature and then deciding... she burns it. It's just so there's no <laughs> When she's, like, deciding her breakfast in the morning, she's like, would, would this strike fear into the hearts of my enemies? Right. She's like, cornflakes or, like, a raw steak? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> <laughs> it's not cornflakes. Some days it's the cornflakes, I'm sure. She just wants cornflakes sometimes, but not okay? not with milk. Oh, that is just with, like, Yeah, right? Just, like, she puts water. cornflakes. Crunch, crunch. Oh, God. Oh. Or she uses Wyren's reserve. That's <laughs> terrifying. Okay, this is just getting weird. Yeah. Anything else okay, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> we raised the bar this um, week, so we expect you to as well. Yeah, yeah. You guys got to get weird with this one. Not, not too weird though, please. <laughs> appropriately weird. But if if you want to get appropriately weird about this, you can tweet us at roguepodron on Twitter, or you can email us at roguepod at farfarawayradio dot com. Our website is roguepodron dot dot com, and you can subscribe to us on the Far Far Away Radio feed on iTunes, Stitcher, or Feedburner. Whoa, so many. That should be our tagline, I think. Rogue what? Padron, getting appropriately weird since 2015. I like that. I like it. We are, we are appropriately weird. We are. We're not always appropriate, though, is the thing. No. That's right. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> is that your chopper sound? That's my chopper sound. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was very accurate. Yeah. Okay, so next time, join us for... <laughs> Sorry, I told you to write it down, so I forgot. Next time, join oh, us. Excellent. It's called Chapters 22 through 26. And with that, this is Rogue Padron signing off. Pash hella out. Did you just improv that? Pew, 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 pew. Pew, pew, pew. Pew? Rogue Leader signing off. Rogue Six signing off. Rogue Seven signing off. Rogue Three signing off. Oh my god. It was good. It was good. That was good. Yeah. Good job, guys. Good. Good job. We survived. It, it got weird, weird at the end, but it was good. <laughs> Pot it. Great pot in the cast, you guys. I'm sorry. I just, I went too fast. I kept going. No, it's so good. <laughs> I couldn't stop thinking <laughs> about this. So <laughs> oh, that's good. I started thinking about it. It just wouldn't leave me alone. I'm going to keep thinking about it for the rest of the day. That's good. It's so good. <laughs>